Thank you so much for being here, and we love you guys so much. This is so amazing. Couldn't imagine all the support that we had today, and yeah, we're on the right side of history, so it's good to be here. My name is Kyle Warner, and the last year has been rough to say the least. I've watched friends and family lose loved ones to COVID. I've seen politicians and corporate media continue to divide the country, and in June of 2021, after being promised that the COVID-19 vaccines were the tested, safe, and effective solution to the pandemic, I was seriously injured by my second dose of Pfizer. As a professional athlete, this came out of nowhere. I had spent the last decade relying on my heart and my body as my primary source of income. I was so used to it always working. Exercise was my outlet, racing bikes my job. I took that for granted, and in an instant, I went from winning mountain bike races to being completely bedridden. The last seven months have been a revolving door of doctors, hospital, and cardiology visits. I've been unable to work and have spent tens of thousands of dollars out of pocket in hopes of getting my old life back. Immediately after my injury, I was quiet. I didn't want to create any hesitancy because I just kept being told my injury was extremely rare and I drew the short straw. After suffering in silence for a few months, I was desperate to find answers, to finally hear something other than, we think this will get better eventually. I decided to share my experience by posting a video on social media, and over the next few days, I was flooded with comments and private messages from others sharing stories of their injuries. Within a week, I had received over a thousand people's testimonies from all across the world. Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, all the symptoms were the same. Their experience at the hospitals was also the same. They just kept being told to hang tight and stay quiet. That was when I met this beautiful group of people behind me. The team of injured people at React 19 saw my story and reached out. They offered me some ideas for possible treatments and things that seemed to help ease their pains. I broke down in tears as I realized I wasn't alone in the search for answers. When I told them I had gotten thousands of responses to my post, they said, yeah, we know. We currently have over 5,000 members. I couldn't believe it. How had I not heard about these injuries before getting my shot? 
How are corporate media and public health officials still insisting the COVID-19 vaccines are completely safe and effective? Especially if there's thousands of injured Americans in one online support group. It made no sense to me. I asked them naively, what about the companies involved? Shouldn't Pfizer or Moderna be responsible for hurt, helping the people that they're injuring? That's when I learned about the loopholes in the emergency use authorization. Until then, I wasn't aware of the fact that the companies selling the shots had been granted total legal immunity by the U.S. government. <laughs> Even worse than that, I learned that the COVID vaccines are not eligible for the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program due to their unapproved status. This means that none of the injuries behind me qualify for the government aid program specifically established to help injured Americans with vaccine injuries. Zero corporate liability, zero backup plan. What could go wrong? Well, since September, our little group of 5,000 injured people has grown to more than 12,500. Each one of my friends behind me represents more than 1,000 others in REACT 19 who have been injured by the COVID vaccines and could not be here today. This is real. People are being harmed. People are losing their livelihoods and in some cases their lives while the government and companies like Pfizer sit by and watch. Not only are our calls for help being ignored, we are actively being censored and discredited by mainstream media. We are not conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers. We are Americans, just like you, from every different background possible. Yet we are united by one thing. We were asked to do our part by our country and then cast aside in the name of profit. Whether it's polluting our water, poisoning our food, or putting carcinogens in our homes, we know corporations cannot be trusted blindly. Yet here we are. Our government is failing us again. The fact is that private corporations are making billions of dollars conducting clinical trials on us at our expense. It is completely unacceptable. Today, I issue a challenge to President Joe Biden, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and CDC Director Rochelle Walensky. I challenge you to set up a meeting and talk to this group. Look them in their eyes. Acknowledge their suffering. Admit this is real, not just rare. If they won't talk to us, maybe Joe Rogan will. <laughs> if, you truly, if they truly care about the health of the American people, they would approve these vaccines and make the companies responsible for the damage they are causing. If in fact these injuries are so rare, it won't impact profits much at all. I promise their favorite lobbyists won't be too mad. But to even consider requiring a vaccine that no one will stand behind is a total disgrace to the very idea of America. We shouldn't be here. This shouldn't be our responsibility. But thanks to the greed of these companies and the current administration, it is our reality. If they won't help us, who will? 
Please consider supporting the injured by texting REACT to 50155. And please join us in a moment of silence to acknowledge those who have been injured by the COVID-19 vaccines. My friend Ernest behind me, he lost his son, his 14-year-old son to myocarditis from Pfizer. Ernest, your son's life deserves to be acknowledged. Your loss deserves to be acknowledged. We love you guys. Please join us in this moment of silence. To find out more ways to get involved or for other ways to make a donation, please go to www.react19.org from the bottom of our vaccine injured hearts. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for having a voice to give people a better way of life and allowing them to have choice. Our next speaker is Mr. Bill Gates. Oh, uh, Bill couldn't make it. Sorry, Bill couldn't make it. Oh, a bunch of animals, I love it. Our next speaker, Lock him up, 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 lock him up. I love you guys. Our next speaker is a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, a philanthropist who funded the research on fluvoxamine through his COVID-19 early treatment fund. He is the executive director of the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation. He's an unapologetic warrior for truth and freedom. You've seen him on Substack. Please welcome to the stage, Mr. Steve Kirsch. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but I run a really popular Substack on COVID-19 vaccines. I'm an engineer with a couple of degrees from MIT, and I make decisions based on what the data says and not what people tell me the data says. After three relatives of a friend of mine died within a week after getting the vaccine, and they were perfectly healthy before they got the shot, I started looking at the data from the clinical trials, from studies, from the government, and from doctors. And what the data said was very troubling. 
First of all, the entire pandemic was completely avoidable. We had an early treatment protocol in March of 2020. It was developed by George Fareed and Brian Tyson. Nobody dies on their protocol, zero deaths. And there were only three hospitalizations for a few days. Now, they tried to ask the NIH to take a look at their protocol, but the NIH wasn't interested. Today, the NIH is saying nothing about their protocol 7,000 patients later with zero deaths. This is ridiculous. If they are going to mandate anything, they should mandate that we all get this early treatment protocol. But they don't. You know, we don't need masks, we don't need vaccines, we don't need mandates, and we don't need lockdowns. We never did. What we need to do is to start listening to the doctors who have treated thousands of COVID cases with no deaths. Is that too much to ask? But the NIH refused to listen to these doctors and instead they focused on the creation of a vaccine which all the evidence shows is making things worse, much worse. COVID cases are at an all time high. We are being mandated to take a vaccine for, for, for a societal benefit without being shown the risk-benefit analysis. There isn't one. Has anyone seen it? There's a reason for that. It's because the risk-benefit is negative. According to over 12 studies, the vaccines are killing at least 15 people for every person that it might save and we're permanently disabling even more. And for kids, I've seen the risk-benefit analysis. We will kill 100 kids for every child we might save from COVID. Nobody has the right to mandate that I must risk my life to save other people that I don't know. It's unethical and immoral. I will not voluntarily choose to deprive my kids of their father. Nobody has the right to mandate a vaccine which is likely to double my risk of getting infected. That's what the data coming out of the UK and Scotland clearly shows, but we're not being told about that. It's precisely the opposite of what we were told. Now, this is why Boris Johnson in the UK recently dropped all COVID restrictions. It was a very popular decision in Parliament. He said, we will trust the judgment of the English people. Finally, why can't we do that here? You know, people, people look to their doctors for advice on whether to take the vaccine, but doctors can't speak the truth. If they do, they will have their license to practice medicine revoked for spreading misinformation. 
so they have to remain silent. This isn't what's about what's best for patients. This is about silencing trusted professionals using intimidation tactics, and that is wrong. You know, the other thing I found particularly troubling was the lack of accountability and transparency. Nobody at the FDA, CDC, or NIH wanted to answer any questions on camera from someone who asked tough questions. You know, my member of Congress is Anna Eshoo. She refuses to meet, to meet with me or answer any of my questions. And not a single person in Congress that I have financially supported over the years will answer a single question I have. So I got desperate. Instead of going to the FDA and CDC, I went to the outside committees the people on the outside committees that advise the CDC and the FDA. And I offered them a million dollars if they would just sit down and meet with me and answer a few questions. They refused. They all refused. So I published all of these questions that I wanted to ask them on my Substack, stevekirsch.substack.com. And I hope that you will go there and read the list of the questions that they don't want to answer. I'd like to ask them questions. I'm only going to give you a few of them. There are over nine studies that show the vaccines make it more likely, not less likely, that you'll be infected from COVID. Did they make a mistake in all of the nine studies? If so, what was it? There are now over one million adverse events reported into the vaccine adverse event reporting system, the official reporting system of the U.S. government. But that system is 40 times underreported using the methodology of the CDC. That means 40 million adverse events reported for these vaccines. How is it that the CDC cannot find a single safety signal after 40 million adverse events. I, I wish I knew the answer to that. They won't tell me. You know, Maddie DeGarry was, was injured in the Pfizer phase three trial. She's paralyzed. She's on her way to becoming a quadriplegic. Why didn't the FDA investigate? I talked to the head of the FDA, Janet Woodcock. She promised to investigate. They have never called the parents. Nobody. Why aren't they telling everybody that there's a one in 1,000 chance that your child could be paralyzed for life? If the vaccines are so safe and effective, then why do the manufacturers need liability protection? And if they're so safe, then why are the organizations that mandate that we take these vaccines not accepting the liability for any risk that we might have? Nobody wants to answer these questions. In closing, I am here to save my kids. I have. I have two children, they're in college, 
and they're being forced to take the booster. It's wrong. It's wrong. And the schools will not answer any of my question. I even offered them a million dollars just to go and have a discussion with them so they could answer my questions on camera. They all refused. So while I have not been successful in having a single one of my questions answered by the authorities, maybe you will have better luck than I did. Again, I've listed all my questions on my Substack at stevekirsch.substack.com. And until they answer all of these questions to your satisfaction, you should not comply with their mandates. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Steve Kirks, ladies and gentlemen. Our next speaker is the chairman of the board and chief legal counsel for Children's Health Defense, the founder of the Waterkeeper Alliance and is of counsel to Morgan & Morgan, a nationwide personal injury practice. It is an absolute honor to welcome Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to the Thank you. Thank you, Jenny's ears. And thank all of you for coming out today and braving the cold to stand up for democracy and for our children and for the United States Constitution. I, I, wanna, I wanna start with a salute to the doctors, the medical doctors, the healers, the courageous doctors of conscience who stood up with me here today and who preceded me onto this podium. We, one of the most disconcerting, alarming features of this pandemic response has been this war against doctors of conscience. We know their names, Pierre Corey, Peter McCulloch, Paul Merrick, Paul Alexander, Ryan Cole, Tess Flory, and so many others whose lives and livelihoods are being destroyed because they are trying to do their jobs and protect our children. Now, the other really disconcerting part of this pandemic response has been what I call the information chaos. The use, the orchestrated confusion and fear by manipulating PCR tests and over-amplifying them, by changing the metrics on how death certificates are calculated the complete absence of any good information on case fatality rates or infection fatality rates or all the things that our public health agencies 
ought to be telling us so that we can individually with our physicians evaluate the risk and treatment and prophylactic protocols. We weren't given any of that information. The information that we were given was badly, badly manipulated. And so now we're left saying, what really happened? We weren't told, for example, that there was a age stratified risk. That people who are over 70 are a thousand times more at risk from COVID and those under 70 and that children have a statistically zero risk. We were manipulated and the press was manipulated and telling us all that every American faced the same threat as elderly people. And that meant that we could not have a rational response that protected the vulnerable and protected people in our livelihoods, our culture, our political freedoms, our constitutional rights and our values, which are all ultimately public health issues. Now, the one data point that in all of this confusion, the fog of war that they created and orchestrated to sow confusion, to sow fear, to make us compliant. The one data point that everybody should know and that we have to regard as reliable because it's the data point that Pfizer gave in its submission to FDA to get its license. We know a lot about the Pfizer vaccine more than any of the other vaccines because the Pfizer, Pfizer vaccine is the only vaccine that has a license. And until they get that license, they do not have to produce their data. So the only data we really have as reliable as the Pfizer data, and by the way, there's a half a million pages of granular data which Pfizer and FDA have refused to produce because they say it's too burdensome. These are the data that they reviewed for 108 days, but they say they can't show it to us for 55 years. So they promise they were going to have, because they were rushing the process, they were going to have complete transparency. Uh, what they meant is they're going to have complete transparency in 55 years. And we want it now. Oh. So I'm just going to briefly tell you to review for you the one important thing that you should know from Pfizer's own data, which is the section of the submission to FDA where they talk about all-cause mortality. And what they say in that data 
where Steve Kirsch, you can go to his blog and you can see a really good explanation of it. But here's what it says, it's very simple. Of the, over the six month period of the study, they, they ended the study in six months. They told us it was gonna go for five years. They ended it in six months, they unblinded it, and they gave the vaccine to the placebo group. So we will never know the long-term impacts of this vaccine. But here's what they said happened in those six months. Of the 22,000 people in the vaccine group, 17 of them, or 21 of them died over the six month period. Of the 22,000 people in the placebo group, only 17 died. What that means, if you extrapolate it and consider it reliable, which Pfizer says it is a reliable predictor of the performance of this vaccine, what that means, and this conclusion is inescapable, that if you take the vaccine, you have a 21% increased chance of dying over the next six months. Now, what happened was in the vaccine group, one person died of COVID of the 22,000. In the placebo group, two people died from COVID. That allowed Pfizer to tell the FDA and the American people that this vaccine is 100% effective because two is 100% greater than one. And that is a metric called relative risk. It is a deceit. The important thing for people to understand is absolute risk. And here's what absolute risk tells us they have to give 22,000 vaccines to protect one person from death from COVID. And if you're going to give 22,000 vaccines to prevent one death, you better make sure the vaccine doesn't kill anybody. Because if it kills one person, you have canceled out all the benefits. But as we saw, 21 people died in the vaccine group and only 17 in the placebo group. So where did those excess deaths come from? The answer to that question is heart attacks. In the vaccine group, there were five fatal heart attacks in the six month period among those 22,000 people. In the placebo group, there was one fatal heart attack to the 22,000 people. So what that means is, if you take the vaccine, you're 500% more likely to die of a heart attack over the next six months than if you don't. And it also means that every life they're saving by averting a COVID death, they are killing four excess people with heart attacks. Now, the vaccine now is in the marketplace. And what we've seen is the data points that we are seeing confirm the fact that 
people are dying of heart attacks. As Steve said, there's been a million injuries recorded in VAERS. There have been 20,000 deaths, more deaths than all vaccines combined for the last 36 years. So, what is CDC's answer and Tony Fauci's answer to that? Is they say, and this is what the press, like a bunch of stenographers and automatons, will repeat again and again, is, well, the VAR system doesn't work. Well, it's their system. It's the only system they got. We didn't make up the system. They made it up. And they've known for 36 years that it doesn't work. And that's their fallback position, is the system that we gave you to protect you from vaccine injury is so broken and so unreliable that it can't be used for any purpose. Well, the 1986 Act, Congress ordered HHS and the industry to create a working surveillance system that would allow us to be able to calculate and estimate accurately vaccine injuries and death. So for 36 years, they've been breaking the law. And in 2010, they finally said, oh, okay, we'll design a system that works, a surveillance system. So they created a machine counting system that captures about 90% of vaccine injuries and deaths. And the study, I'm going to quote you studies because I know this has never happened to you before because you've been listening to CNN and, and HHS. So you're not used to hearing about scientific studies, but science actually is determined by doing studies formally before we appointed one man to be the science. Oh. Oh. HHS did a study in 2010 that they were going to roll out to all the HMOs. They studied one HMO, which is the Harvard Pilgrim, which is up in New England. They were Harvard scientists, they spent millions of dollars. They studied the system for three years and they had a pilot system that they designed that would capture all the vaccine injuries. At the end, the study, which is called the Lazarus Study 2010, they came back and said, we designed a system that works like a charm. It picks up most vaccine injuries. And guess what we found? There, when we compared it to theirs, we found that VAERS is missing more than 99%, not 99%, more than 99% of vaccine injuries. What did CDC do? They looked at that and that study said that one out of every 39 people who got vaccinated with any vaccine on average were suffering an injury. CDC was telling the American public, 
it was one in a million. They were lying. And so what was their solution? They shut down that study. They stopped the rollout. They put it on a shelf and they've been keeping it there for 11 years. And now the system that they knew was broken 11 years ago, they knew only counted 1% of vaccine injury 11 years ago. Now they're telling you it, it is overestimating vaccine injuries. Those 20,000 people didn't really die of the vaccine. Those 100,000 people weren't really injured. Well, there are a lot of studies that show that theirs doesn't work. I can see that. There's not one scientific study that shows that it overcounts vaccine injury. Every study shows it undercounts them by 50%, 80%, 90 percent, 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 90 that brought us all to here. We are all from different political orientations, from different political parties, from different assumptions and backgrounds, from different races and creeds and colors. We are here for one reason. We love the United States of America. And we know, and when we say that we love the United States, it means a lot of things. It means we love our history, we love our neighbors, we love our communities, we love our values, we love God. We love all kinds of, of versions of God. We, but most of all, and we love our Purple Mountains majesty, the landscapes that form the basis for this country. Uh, most of all, it means we love the United States Constitution. Yes. And we have witnessed over the past 20 months a coup d'etat against democracy and the demolition, the controlled demolition of the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And starting with the censorship. And James Madison, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson all said the same thing. We put freedom of speech in the First Amendment because all of the other rights that we were trying to protect relied on that right. If you if you give government the license to silence its critics, you have given them the capacity to commit any atrocity they want and to obliterate all the amendments and rights of the Constitution. Oh, as soon as they got rid of freedom of speech, they went after freedom of religion. 
They close every church in this country for a year with no regulatory process, no public hearing, no demonstration of science, no scientific citation to show that it was going to do any good. They kept the liquor stores open as essential businesses. And I remind you that liquor stores are not mentioned in the United States Constitution, and churches are. They took away our property rights. They closed a million businesses with no due process, no just compensation. They took away jury trials. The Seventh Amendment says no American shall be deprived of a right to a trial before a jury of his peers in cases or controversies that exceed $25 in value. There is nothing else. That's all it says. There's no pandemic exception. There's no war exception. There's no any exception. And yet they have passed, I won't even say it a rule, is because there was no rulemaking as to policy. And you cannot sue any company, any of these large multinational corporations that claim to be involved in countermeasures. No matter how reckless their behavior, no matter how negligent their conduct, no matter how grievous your injury, you cannot sue that company. They have a license to, these are criminal companies, by the way. These are serial felons. The four companies that make all of our U.S. vaccines for the children's program, Pfizer, Glaxo, uh, Sanofi, and Merck, have paid $35 billion in criminal penalties for hundreds of violations and damages in the last 10 years. These are the companies that gave us the opioid crisis. It kills 56,000 children a year. More American kids every year than the Vietnam War killed in 20 years. These are not good citizens. These are criminal enterprises. And now you're taking away any economic or legal incentive for them to behave. What do you think they're gonna do? You think they found Jesus suddenly? and they're going to take care of us and our children and they're suddenly concerned with public health? No. They took away due process rulemaking. They've taken away our right to be free of warrantless searches and seizures for this very intrusive track and trace surveillance, etc. So, we are watching something now that I never believed that I would see in my lifetime. And I read in Orwell and Kafka and Aldous Huxley, this, this dystopian science fiction novels that one day the United States would be overtaken by fascism. Well, here you go. Fascism, incidentally, is defined, Mussolini defined it as a merger of state and corporate power. And orchestrated by Tony Fauci. Oh. Lock him up. Lock him up. What we're seeing today. Lock him up. Lock him up. What we're seeing today. Lock him up. Is what I call 
turnkey totalitarianism. They are putting in place all of these technological mechanisms for control we've never seen before. It's been the ambition of every totalitarian state from the beginning of mankind to control every aspect of behavior, of conduct, of thought, and to obliterate dissent. None of them have been able to do it. They didn't have the technological capacity. Even in Hitler, Germany, you could, you could cross the Alps into Switzerland. You can hide in an attic like Anne Frank did. I visited in 1962 East Germany with my father and met people who had climbed the wall and escaped. So it was possible. Many died truly, but it was possible. Today, the mechanisms are being put in place that will make it so none of us can run and none of us can hide. The, within five years, we're going to see 415,000 low-orbit satellites. Bill Gates says his 65,000 satellites alone will be able to look at every square inch of the planet 24 hours a day. They're putting in 5G to harvest our data and control our behavior. Digital currency that will allow them to punish us from a distance and cut off our food supply. Vaccine passports. You have, you have a series of rights, as flawed as our government has, is you can still go out and go to a bar, you can go to a sporting event, you can get on a bus or an airplane and you can travel, you have certain freedoms, you can get educated, etc. The minute they hand you that vaccine passport, every right that you have is transformed into a privilege contingent upon your obedience to arbitrary government dictates. It will make you a slave. And what do we do about this? What do we do? We resist. I'm gonna tell you three rules you all need to know and memorize. Number one, every power that government takes from us, it will never relinquish voluntarily. Oh, they tell you, we're, we just want you to lock down for two weeks. Just to flatten the curve in the hospitals. But then 20 months later, they still have us locked down. And even when they give up, when they close the lockdowns and let us go back to normal, they are not relinquishing the power to do it to you again and again and again. Yep. They now have that power and they will never let it go until we make them let it go. Number two, every power they take from us they will ultimately abuse to the maximum extent possible. Number three, nobody in history of the planet has ever complied their way out of totalitarian control. Every, every capitulation 
is a signal to the oppressors to impose new forms of torment or torture or compliance or obedience. Every time you comply, you get weaker. The hill that you're going to die on is the hill that you're on right now. And they're coming for our children. And every time they push you back, when you say yes, because you think, if I just do this, we can all return to normal. Every time they, they talk you and fool you into, bullies cannot be appeased. It just encourages them to new forms of torture and torment. Every time you say yes, you're getting pushed back to a weaker position. That's why we need to resist today. You, all of you in the crowd, I thank you, I love you. You came out on this cold, cold day to do your duty for the United States of America. Let's go and fight for freedom and let's return to our build back for our children, the America 